1: Mm-hmm. Hey Bruins fans, I'm back. It's episode 146 of the Black and go Hockey Podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. Fantastic folks over there. If you want to place a wager, go to betonline.ag. Uh, this week, it's a little uh, little different. Uh, we're about uh, 11 days away from the puck drop of the Boston Bruins uh, 2019-20 season and I'm um, um, Unfortunately, uh, at my dad's, well, no, it's, it's fortunate because I got two Boston Terriers that I'm watching and, it, and it's awesome, but his internet is absolutely terrible and I'm having a hard time getting my homework done for this episode, but we're just gonna do like a regular general talk about uh, the state of the Bruins and, and where we're going with this. And uh, online with me today is a good friend, Chris Blackie. And uh, Chris, you can find him on Twitter, at Chris underscore Blackie and you can also follow his outstanding podcast which he covers not only the Bruins but other uh, major sports in Boston and that is the Boston Sports Blitz on Twitter Steve Black- I mean Chris Blackie I'm sorry Chris how's it going man
2: hey thanks for having me on Mark how's it going this morning
1: it's it's good, good. I got my uh, my my gallon cup of iced coffee, and um, oh, there you go. Absolutely ready to uh, to talk some bees with you. Uh, first of all, I just want to uh, say I really appreciate the time this morning. I know we talked uh, in recent weeks, but with the 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 NHL and Bruins coming up quickly, I mean it's just it just seems like it's coming faster and faster. Things got busy and busy, and schedules got all out of whack. But I'm glad that we made time today to sit down and talk. So. Uh, how how are you this morning?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, it's early early Sunday morning here. Well, 9 o'clock now here on the East Coast, so it's not terribly early, but early. Yeah. You know, getting ready for the Bruins home opener. It's a little bit frustrating how they do it with TV. It's not like any other sports. Like, you see, like, preseason football, everywhere. Basketball's everywhere. You have to really look just to watch a game sometimes with the hockey. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, the, um, the streams are, are very, very weird because uh, when you go on YouTube and you do a search, like, like last night's game, or, or any game, the New Jersey Devils, um, Chicago, and Philadelphia. I, I know that Philly game was on TV, but it was a Philly feed. But some, sometimes you go onto YouTube and you do these searches and, and you see that it's going to be a live feed in 50 minutes. And all of a sudden, when you get to that point, it's game time. And you click on it and it's just, it's just, it brings you to another ad, which makes right. you subscribe. And it's just, it was just terrible. So I am actually looking forward to getting away from that and just watching just regular season hockey. Oh no um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm pumped for the season. And so why don't we just get started on this general topic about where your state of mind was in June of last of this summer and the Bruins going as far as the Stanley Cup Finals, losing three home games in those finals and ultimately losing the Stanley Cup to the St. Louis Blues. Where, are you, where were you then, and where are you now, 11 days away?
2: Well, when, the, when the, you know, the disaster happened when it was the Stanley Cup Finals, I mean, I felt like I was bashing my head against the wall and watching what was unfolding. I mean, to lose three at home is inconceivable to take a, you know, a word from Princess Pride, so to speak, but uh, just frustrating. you know, they'd come out in game three and just totally smoke them. Like, okay, they figured things out now. They're good to go. We're going to be okay going forward. Never in my wild imagination when they lose three at home, The missed opportunity they actually had is the thing that drives me the craziest because that's never going to happen again. I mean, the seas literally parted for them, and they just pissed it away. Very frustrating. Going into this season, I'm optimistic they can make another run, but it's not going to be easy, obviously. Hockey's a hard sport to begin with. You're not going to get that opportunity again. That's what, like I said, the most frustrating part about it is they just – very frustrating the yeah. way it, it's like they didn't show up when they needed to. I mean those bad calls, but well that you gotta rise above that. You can't just say, Well, they lost because of you know, Acharya getting tripped up. It sucked, but you ultimately you didn't show up that game. Same with game two. Game two was a real backbreaker in that series. And let's face it, if line one or line two actually shows up, they don't even go to game seven.
1: Yeah. I, I I absolutely agree with you. And and the other thing I agree with you is previously you mentioned that the seas parted. There's there's no better way that this Bruins team could have gotten to the Stanley Cup finals. And you're absolutely correct. It's it's like finding the SAS watch. Yeah. You're not gonna see this path. I don't believe ever again. I mean it, who knows. I mean, but I mean Tampa Bay out in the first round. You you truck over Columbus, you truck over um, Carolina, and and you go right into the um, the Stanley Cup Finals. And you just uh, you drop three when you had the home ice advantage. That it is. It was very frustrating. And I was also bashing my head. My office is technically on the second floor of my house, and I really wanted to just do a power power run and just jump right out the window. But right, you know. It-
2: one other thing that really irked me about them losing the cup was the narrative again of Rask not being to win the big one.
1: Oh Jesus! I, if, I,
2: if it wasn't if it wasn't Vatuka Rask, I'm sorry, you don't even get to the cup. He finals. wouldn't be there. Simple as that. He wouldn't be. I mean, they wouldn't be there. Unfortunately, the way it's looking now, until they actually win the cup with them, that narrative is always going to follow him. And Absolute. Even if he does, even if he does win the cup you know it's going to be the so people are saying that the team carried him but Rascal's was playing out of his mind it's very unfortunate what had happened with the team very aggravating yeah
1: and, so, and it's so
2: aggravating talking about today, the word how many months away from that happening
1: yeah exactly um unfortunately you got i mean well I, I always use that word in the wrong terms fortunately we do have to grasp for two more seasons and, uh, unfortunately we're going to hear that narrative of he can't do this. He can't do that. He doesn't show up. He craps his pants for another two years. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, I used to get really aggravated about all the Tuka haters, but I just, it, they just, I think they just complain cause they love to complain. And
2: at so, some point you're just going to accept that's just the way it's going to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no use arguing anymore with those, with those folks. But, uh, regardless,
2: you know, yeah. the other thing I like, I know we've got under the stuff to top about, a Tuka Rasta, people complain about his performance and they complain about his contract, or both.
1: Yeah, I, oh, I think I think the contract is the biggest thing. I think when they look at that $7 million and then they look at the situations like they are, like the Bruins went through this summer with uh, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, and, and some key signings above uh, Danton Heinen, that's, you know, well – that's the narrative they, they go to. They, the, the haters bottleneck themselves down to, well, we wouldn't be in this situation if we weren't carrying Rask. And they always blame the previous regime for what's going on today and what Don Sweeney has in place for right. the future.
2: You can't have it both ways. I mean, we, we always used to bitch about Jacobs back in the day not spending money. Then they spend uh, money we're bitching about it again.
1: There's, there's another narrative. Another narrative that kills me is the, they don't spend money, but they spend right up to the cap every year. Literally that the now. cap has been yeah. If you want to win, Chris, and you know this, you've been a long time Bruins fan. If you want to win in this league, it is so tough, but you have to just just look at it. look at the look at Cap friendly. I'm looking at it right now. Those teams that spend to the cap are gonna be successful in that year.
2: Yep. It's
1: just it's that's the way it is. I mean and he's spending to that. And, and, and by the way, I just want to, I don't mean to cut you off right there, but I, I pumped this, um, this podcast up from TD Garden yesterday. I had a fantastic time skating around on TD Garden ice. It was my first time. Very emotional moment when I stepped out on the ice. Hey, hey, Mark Allred here at TD Garden, the world famous TD Garden. And I'm with Nate, the referee. How's it going out here, Nate? uh it's all right any troubles no no it's like it's been a clean clean day i know this is a podcast and you can't see this gentleman but he looks just like kerry Fraser. what do you think of that you know who kerry Fraser is no he had the best hair in hockey back yeah. in the day best hockey hair yeah wow <laughs> what do you think of this experience it's actually kind of fun yeah coming out here first one's on the ice nice nice you get to cut right in there right yeah oh yeah awesome Hockey season started right. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Nate, yeah, for I really appreciate it, bud. Thank you. I wanted to run out. I wanted to run out like I was actually playing a game, but I, I was. Uh, I'm I'm 43 years old, so uh, running out there and and falling is probably going to happen and make it embarrass myself. So I stepped right. lightly and then took off. But anyway, the the remodeling that's being done in that building the construction was still going on as we were skating there were people working all over the place all the way up to the rafters and i'm impressed i like the black seats this team spends money they spend money on the players and they spend money on the arena for the fans so uh, that narrative is just out the door for me
2: we are right yeah, I'm 41. I I couldn't run either on the ice, and <laughs> I haven't skated in many years. Uh, but that would turn anyone into a kid, no matter what your age is.
1: Oh man, just looking up at looking up at the the new scoreboard too. By the way, um, the new scoreboard, oh, nice. the the uh, banners, um, just the history that you can. And I know it wasn't the old Boston Garden, so you really don't get that that history and nostalgia. Right, you know right. what I mean? But just looking up and seeing Orr and Hinchman and and you know all these other players that were just you know legends in this town in the past, it, you know it brings a little tear to your eye that you're actually out there. I mean, even my wife, even my wife Courtney, she got teared up when she saw me coming out of the locker room and just going right onto the ice. So it was kind of well. I mean, cool.
2: it, it, it doesn't surprise me that you got you know kind of choked up, emotional, whatever you want to call it, because you, you look at you know your staff right in this show in particular you see the passion that goes behind the scenes and what goes into it, especially like what me and Steve do. We have our own articles and this and that, but it's not like as grand as what's going on with you guys. And that's a lot of work. Just the few writers we have, what you guys put in, um, it's awesome. I really enjoy your guys' article and I enjoyed the show.
1: Awesome. Yeah, Steve, thank you so much for that, man. That really, truly, truly means a lot. Speaking of emotional, dude, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but no, so, hey, speaking of your show and, and you do with Steve, um, why don't you explain how your podcast started and, and what's, what you cover?
2: Well, it's funny. Me and Steve go back probably, geez, 35 years probably. Gee, wow. And the stuff that we're doing now talking about the sports teams, we cover all the Boston teams. We've done this since we were kids talking about it. So it's kind of sur- surreal in a way that we're doing this now talking as adults. It's like a, kind of like a flashback, so to speak. But uh, it just came about, Steve's like, Hey, you want to do a show Her sat out doing live videos on Facebook and so like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then just progress, 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 and then get the website going in the groups, you know, and all that fun jazz that goes with it. And it's a good time. It can be frustrating at times, but
1: oh, tell me about it.
2: <laughs> it, it could be worse. No, I mean, you could not be a Boston fan. I mean, I know you're strictly Bruins, right? You don't watch yeah. anything else.
1: Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I used to be fully on sports, but it just seems when I when I took on The heavier load of black and gold uh, productions, as a copywriter, a writer, a podcaster, and and doing all this stuff, I really didn't have much time. But you know, also like the stuff that's going on today with with um, that Antonio Brown,
2: it's frustrating. I I love the Pats almost as much as I love the Bruins. I mean, they're one A one B, take your pick, basically. But for me, frustrating. But that's all. That's a Another episode entirely that. Oh yeah, we only get down that rabbit But one of the things that I've always found interesting is little tidbits along the way, like Larry Bird back in the day would look up at uh, Bobby Orr's number in their Raptors, and it motivated them. That's the type of stuff that happens when you're an athlete here in Boston, or it should be.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I mean, and there's no knock on the Patriots, man. That's a fantastic organization, and they and they do what it takes to win. And it shows, but like honestly, I,
2: it, it gets kind of boring sometimes. <laughs> it just, you just, it, it's funny because I used to watch them years ago when they were perennial losers. They, yep, yeah, they're on the way. You'd be lucky you saw them on TV.
1: Yep, I and remember like,
2: okay, they're gonna win by 30.
1: I remember going to, I only went, to, I've only been to probably about 12 Patriots games in my life, but I did go to one at the old stadium before Gillette. Um, yeah, it was Foxboro Stadium. Yeah, and uh, bleacher seats. It oh was, yeah, it was. It was a dump, but the place was packed, and they were playing the Cleveland Browns. And
0: Jeez. yeah,
1: yeah, it was. Uh, it was an interesting. And then, then, you know, years later, going to um, Gillette Stadium, uh, getting seats down low, and then even getting seats up high in like the 300 sections. Man, it was. That's an impressive place. Oh yeah, but I'll I'll tell you. The best game I've ever seen, ever seen at Gillette Stadium was the 2016 Winter Classic, and that's and that's not saying much because the freaking Bruins lost uh, to the well, Montreal Canadiens of all of all people.
2: Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> it's like I see like a lot of polls that come up. I mean, with the Bruins, like who's their biggest rival? Yeah, I don't care if both teams are in the cellar. It's the Canadians. Yeah, that's, that's never going to change. Yeah, it's like asking what's the you know rivalry for Sox Yankees. That's well, I, never gonna change. Like these people who are kind of new and young and seeing the the basically the Toronto rivalry going on. That's yep. all well and good, but but eventually you learn to hate the Canadians. It's not something that. We're taught you're born into it. At least I was. It's like you, you learn early on. You hate the Canadians, Yankees, Lakers, etc. You don't go for your rival ever. It'd be unheard of. If I told my father I was a Canadian fan, he would took me to the woodshed.
1: <laughs> the <shit. laughs> Come on. But you know what's funny is you talk about the, the rivalries and so on. I, I think we, uh, Heather and I talked about it on a previous episode. It, it's, it's, the, it's the wild card. When the wild card system came into the league, you really gravitated to a certain amount of teams that you're going to be playing year to year and yeah. and obviously it's true because you know Tampa Bay has always been at the top Toronto and Boston are always fighting for that right there and then at the end of the season they play themselves in the playoffs and it's been that way for 3 straight years yeah. i want to go back to the 1827 blah 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 oh no doubt
2: i miss the uh, adams division
1: yeah, I miss all the old stuff. You know what I mean? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like the names. I, later on in life, I learned about those names: Adams, Smythe, Patrick, right. and all those guys. Those guys yeah,
2: were—they're—they're kind of scumbags. Oh, but. they were
1: crooked! Oh my god! Oh yeah.
2: yeah. But
1: um, but anyway, <laughs> I lost track a little bit. Um, but let's talk about the the, the Boston Bruins coming up. Eleven days away, this puck drop. Um. Charlie McAvoy signed a really good team-friendly bridge deal. Um, I thought that was fantastic. And then later on, Brandon Carlo comes following uh, as the dominoes kept falling from the Proveroffs, the the Rosenskis, um, and so on. So we're going into training camp right now. We're in the preseason games. We're 11 days away. How do you feel now that these two solid defensemen, one shutdown, one offensive, um, are going to be – in the plans for Game 1 starting on October 3rd against Dallas.
2: Oh, I absolutely love it. Like, I've been waiting all summer. Like, a lot of people have been waiting for McAvoy to drop, but I love Brandon Carlo. I'm like, okay, we are got to get this going. Gonna, thank God they weren't unrestricted, because Charlie would have been gone a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They Got those... an offer you couldn't refuse. Yeah. The fact that Sweeney got them in under, you know, the allotted space they have, in Heinen for that matter, is just – mind numbing that he could pull the I did an article probably about two months ago where I, I suggested Charlie at 3.5 and Brandon at three and I was pretty close I got hammered for it a little bit but.
1: <laughs> well I I kind of think that everybody went into this whole thing thinking that um that they were going to get big deals because the salary cap was a little bit undetermined Right around right. the time of the awards, when they were, were uh, technically, or right before the draft, when they were technically was supposed to like come out and say what this upcoming year's um, salary cap's going to be. And there was, there was no word for about two or three days, and then it came out. So I think that kind of messed uh, the organizations up a little bit on their plans.
2: Right, so definitely.
1: they just didn't have that much. Um. But no, absolutely. I mean, he um, Sweeney has just been a mastermind when it comes to deals like this. You look back at the um, the previous deals that the Bruins, not only Sweeney, but other regimes have done. I mean, they've got Bergeron under wraps for uh, cap friendly, for Marchand. Uh, you know, I, I. It's just that's what you got to do. Is you just can't go out there and and and. Spend, spend, spend like like um, the Rangers and the and the Chicago Blackhawks, and then and then figure out where you're gonna be on October third to be cap compliant. But rather do that during the whole summer, and, and and have some dialogue with these players and say, listen, we have a plan. We have a we have a um, a window of two years. We want you to be a part of this window. We we believe we're gonna win. We're gonna win another Stanley Cup. We, we want you there. Let's, let's do, let's do a deal that we can all work together on. And nobody's going to be, you know, there's no individuals on this Boston Bruins team. It's it, you can plainly see that. So when no. it comes down to money, it's just, it, it is what your value is. But when you're on the ice, you are a part of the team. And I just like the way Sweeney envisions that
2: um, moving forward and getting these small deals done. Well, to me, it made sense for them to do a bridge deal just on cap alone. Get a two or three year deal down. When you have more money on the backside of that deal, then you can properly take care of these people. Yeah, I mean, Find common ground. Let Like you said, let them know you want them in part of the organization, how important they are. And uh, it made sense to me. People but, were bitching and moaning about it, but that's just goes with the territory of course.
1: But that's just, that's just those people that don't look at screens. Like I have one right now and cap friendly and educate themselves on what what is happening now, right. but not only that it projects out to six or five or six years ahead. Yep. So it, it, that's a big thing to me It's just, you know, take the time you have the power of the internet in your hand most of the time in the cell phone, yep. you use it it's, and instead of firing from the hip and just going nuts and you know, but what I like about this deal is it's so cap friendly that both uh, Carlo and McAvoy are making like a little over a million dollars this year. But then they get what they should be making in the second year. And then the third year is when they can basically make their qualifying offer and their total value. Like yep. like like McAvoy's total value in his third year could be or his or his qualifying offer
2: could start off at seven point three. Which is where you kind of think he should be at. Exactly. In that ballpark. Yep. Charlie is an interesting character, so to speak, I guess. Like, he's got all the tools, but he's, he's got to show that he can stay healthy. Yeah. If, if he can't stay on the ice, his money's obviously going to drop. Carlo is another interesting character where his stock really rose in the playoffs. He was an animal, especially in that Columbus series. He, yeah. That's why I like the the pairing of him and Crew. He does a lot of stuff defensively, so Crew can prosper on the offensive side of things, that's no coincidence that that unit works together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even left-right shot for me either. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's it's who's the shutdown, Chara, and who's offensive, McAvoy. Who's the shutdown on the second line, Carlo. Who's offensive on the – you know, it, it's, it's Krug. And then you can go down to – your third pairing, you know, if Clifton's still around, Clifton has shown to me he can be very offensive and quick can transition out of defensive zone. So he's, I mean, he's, he, a
2: lot, he's a lot faster than he—he uh, he looks.
1: Oh yeah, he's—he's a, he's a fantastic story, by the way. Um, real quick, uh, let's just take a, a break. I want—I've mean, not on a break, but I just want to do this uh, quick ad read from my show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Uh, the Boston Bruins training camp festivities kicked off last week and puck drop for the 2019-20 regular season it was only 11 days away. So placing a wager on any sport has never been more exciting than with the great folks at BetOnline.ag. Did you know placing a hockey bet is not limited to the 31 teams in the NHL? At BetOnline.ag, you can place bets on leagues playing worldwide such as Austria, Czech Republic, Germany, Russia, Slovakia, and Sweden. And guess what? Because you're a loyal listeners of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and CLNS media content, we're giving you a 50% bonus onto your sports betting bankroll. When you go to betonline.ag and use the code CLNS50, this added bonus is only for first ever deposit. And the best part is the bonus is added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast by going to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Please remember a minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Do not sit on the sidelines during your favorite sports season. Get in into all the action with BetOnline.ag, your online sports book expert. So we're back with Chris Blackie of the uh, Boston Sports Blitz podcast. You can find them on, on all major worldwide listening platforms. You can also follow Chris, and he's a diehard Bruins fan and a highly suggestive follow. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris underscore Blackie. So, Chris, um, coming into this, uh, the 2019 20 campaign, how do you feel moving forward with uh, Bruce Cassidy getting the, the, um, multi-year extension. I don't, we don't have details because they, they, that's all tight-lipped. But uh, anyway, your thoughts?
2: Well, I absolutely love Bruce. I was so happy when that deal got done. He is kind of the anti-clode, and I don't want to take a shot at Julian because, you know, I'd like to think I can be above that. But he doesn't sit back. If he sees a player that's not up to par, he's not going to wait 10 games plus for you to make the move. He'll make a move in-game.
1: Yep, on the fly. He's
2: got the, best, he's got the best interest of the team. Whether your name's Bergeron or your name is the lowest person on the team, a fourth line winger, it doesn't matter to him. He has no problem ruffling feathers, and that's what I love most about him. I love that I, he's accomplished a lot since he's been here. He's kind of throwing the fire. Julian kind of, I don't know, I mean, he wants us to copy Bars to another one. So he was a successful coach. Unfortunately, the way sports works in general is a coach normally goes out on, one, you know, on bad terms, generally speaking. And Bruce has learned a lot from his previous time when he was with the Capitals. Yeah. And I think him and Sweeney worked well together because they were together down in Providence, basically, working out with each other. And I think touching on what you said about Don making deals, Don's learned from the backer situation and it coincides with Bruce with the capitals. Yes. Yeah. So I love the deal. I I love Bruce Cassidy. I'm a big fan. No complaints from me. I
1: mean, hu- I'm a huge fan of Bruce. I've, I've watched six years down in Providence. Uh, I did not know about him before that, but obviously the internet educated me, uh, to know more about him and, and his path to, um, from being a player, a defensive player with Chicago Blackhawks and system. And then, and, you know, Europe and in the, the lower levels of um, of semi-professional hockey and then coming up the rise to the Washington capitals and not having a very successful time there, but went down to the lowest levels of the East coast hockey league and then worked his way back up. So, I mean, tons of credit for a guy that does not quit. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. he just he wants to get back to where he where you know his dream job, and that's the NHL. I mean, I love I love people like him. If it, the one time player still wants to be a part of the league at the at the highest level, and and they'll fight for it, whatever it takes to get there. My thing with, with Bruce and, and him is not just the now. We'll see what happens this year if they can get back to um, you know a Stanley Cup final. It remains to be seen. Yep. It's so hard to do, um, but I'm more on this for the future. And I know a lot of people bitch and complain about the prospects that that Sweeney and and scouting staff have put together in recent drafts. Uh, whether it be a reach here or that's a stupid pick there, it, um, having a coach light like casted. I know I've beaten this before, and. Accompanied staff of Kevin Dean and Jay Pandolfo and Sacco and 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 you know and others. This is a good time to have him involved as these 2015 crop of prospects are now like pushing and knocking on the door of NHL careers. The scouting staff for the youth is already in place, so moving forward is not going to be a real big issue.
2: Well, no doubt and the he he's familiar with them as as a coach when he coached them before so he he knows what they bring to the table absolutely and that's another thing that comes with Bruce like i said earlier if you're not up to par he's going to let you know if you're doing what you got to do he's going to let you know he's very vocal
1: yep so I,
2: um yeah kind of i do um,
1: i do like what you said about um about Bruce and and making the moves i mean he does do a lot of on the fly moves he doesn't he doesn't wait a couple of games to see if chemistry is going to be there or not. Um, the, tr- the traditionalist, Claude Julien, did do that, would wait three or four games to see if, if things would move and you get chemistry. But he did that a lot with his veterans. He gave mm. those guys an opportunity. A guy like Alexander Kokelchev, hashtag Kokelgate, um <laughs> he did not give those opportunities, and they were very spotty. And, and, and if, he didn't, if he saw one thing that a, guy, a kid – Needed to work on. Well, he wasn't going to do that in the NHL. He was going to find a veteran to fill that spot.
2: I wonder how he, uh, Coco, would have managed in Bruce's system.
1: They got along really good. I know for a fact that I've talked to several people down in Providence that cover that team, and they said that they had a great relationship. Now, I'm not too sure about the rumors of of a return. I don't believe the Bruins have Coco's rights anymore. If they do, it's only for one more year. So I, I, don't, I don't know if, if that will ever, ever happen. Um, I would love to see – I would even back then, I would love to see a little bit more of him, not basically on a, on a fourth-line role trying to, to fill a gap. I would like to see him as a second or third-liner somewhere in there and, uh, and, and see what he can do from there with a little more offensive uh, you know, opportunities.
2: Yeah, he actually put up really good numbers when he was in Providence.
1: Yeah, he's a point-per-game player.
2: So I understand. I can see his frustration. Why would you not be frustrated? Yeah. I th- I think had – I don't know. I, the problem is, you know, you hit or miss all the time. It's just the way it goes in sports. Like, like you said earlier about reaching, sometimes you have to. Sometimes the pick that you think you should take isn't the pick you should. Yeah,
1: but overall rankings, like the end of the year uh, National Hockey League draft rankings, you know, if you have Barzell here and blah blah blah, and you and you look at a player and and you think that that's something that might not address the now, like some of those guys in 2015 were were are picked, but they might address certain needs in the future. You got to look at your salary cap and where that's going to when you dictate. And, and it's, you know, there's so many avenues to pick. It's not just best available and what we need. It's oh, just absolutely. you know, it's like you got to look at three or four years down the road when this kid's going to be ready and what your salary cap's going to look like then.
2: Yeah, it would have been a lot different. I mean, people say about Barzal being here. Yeah, okay, you bring him here. Who's to say he works out in this organization? Exactly. You don't know. It's Maybe t- does pan out, and and you're suddenly. He's he's what, do what next next season? He's due.
1: I believe so. Yeah.
2: So you got to figure if he's with the player he is now, you're definitely gonna lose Kruger. Him, take your pick. Oh you're yeah. You're Not gonna get both of them. Oh yeah. That's another hot topic. What to do with Kruger? I, I I think. Where,
1: he, where are you on that?
2: I think he signs here.
1: I do too. I just hope it's at a cap friendly deal, like he right, like right. he said. Now, as cap friendly or rumor has it that the salary cap for next season is $26 million. Uh, uh, Oh, free space. So there's definitely room, but you also gotta, you also gotta take care of Grizzly. You also gotta take care of Charlie Coyle. Um,
2: and the yeah.
1: And, and I'm just going through. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. So you got, Charlie Coyle, that you, you, that's, that, that's a definite re-sign. Uh, Wagner, I'm not sure. Uh, he could be like that new Schaller and Achari type of player that might ask for too much and get booted. Would like to see him stick around. Uh, he's a good player, fast player. I, I don't see Richie coming back, and I don't understand why Richie's an RFA. The guy's 26 years old, but anyway. Uh, Nordstrom, I don't see coming back. Jake DeBrusque? Yeah, that's that's going to be a huge signing. He's going to have a, hopefully a big year, which will dictate how much his value is going to be.
2: Exactly, he needs to.
1: Yeah, um, Krug. Uh, it, I mean, that's a resign. We'll get back to that. Kevin Millar. I don't see a, a return. No. Um, Zdeno Chára. I, I, as much as I appreciate his leadership and what he does on the ice, and and as a as a consummate pro, I don't want to see him back next season. I just think that retaining him year to year to year is still going to um, create that huge bottleneck down in Providence with the Lauzon, the Zobors, the and Vacaninans and blah blah blah. So we'll see what happens with that. But Grizzlick needs to be signed and obviously the backup goaltender after this next season is going to have to be addressed. So there is a lot of work. So a lot of people see that 26 million dollars right now and say, well, what's the problem? We could sign all these players, but if you look at that list, carefully and do your due diligence, right. that, there's not a lot of money to be spent when it comes well, down exactly. to next season. After July 1, you're going to you're gonna have to knock on doors and be like, hey, can you take some cap-friendly deals? Can you go back and do what pre- previous players have done in the past and, and, and be a team player and, and let's do this together? So
2: I, I think the one person that if they're going to pay, like legitimately pay, it's going to be Krug. Because he's unrestricted, so they're going to have to up the ante. Same with Coyle. Debresca I think they're going to get something done reasonably. But he he needs to – he's another one. He's funny. He's very streaky. He's he's an awesome talent, but he kind of disappears at times, and then he's red hot for like 10 games.
1: Which makes you wonder if he was injured a lot of that last season because he did get banged up. Second year – second full season in the league – um, you get exposed. I think. I think in his uh, in his rookie season, Dubrovsk was more or less like an uh, an unknown that we have to figure out. And then year two, they had they had the book on him. So,
2: um, and had, I think he definitely was definitely in the playoffs. No yeah, oh, yeah. Very right. telling about the playoffs where they get that cross check from the uh, uh, cadre. I'll be nice because I don't know if you like swearing on the show, but so I'll uh, keep, you can fucking
1: cool. swear if you want. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, Kader's one of the biggest pieces of shits out there.
1: Exactly. I mean,
2: to me, the person I'll always hate the most because I I love nearly To me, is a god. Period. He's my favorite player in the sentence. Yeah. And that piece of shit Ulf. Yeah. You know, Alfie Samuelson, old, old Turtle himself, oh, in oh, the terrible. cadre. Like he, that was such a sucker hit for, on Nebraska. And, and what gets me is Toronto fans, like, oh, he was clean. Bullshit, that was clean.
1: No, it wasn't. Even no, it wasn't. Uh, both In both series against Toronto, he clearly went for the head. You oh, know? yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. He could
2: have, like, he could have, like, seriously heard. Uh, I remember the the first person he took out was. Briar. Um, and uh, he's not with us anymore. Wingles? Chris Wing- Wingles? Yes, right? it was. It was uh, Wingles. Yep. I mean, he could have paralyzed him on that hit. Exactly. I and mean, Nebraska, he, w- he ring his bell, so yep. that doesn't help either. But, um, you know, I know we're a little bit all over the place. But I think the Bruins actually have their backup goalie right now. I think it's going to be Kaiser. I think he's ready next season to step in behind Rask. He's looked I, great so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is – He's a very, very good goaltender. He's very athletic, um, and he's, he stays square to the puck. Great vision. Um, the thing I want to see is uh, uh, just experience, and hopefully he'll get that in Providence. Um, I'm still a firm believer that there is no 1A, 1B. I, I'm sorry. No, I, I said that wrong. There's no like uh, starting and backup goaltender in Providence. The, the schedule doesn't allow stuff like that to happen, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you why, is because the games are predominantly on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So that's their week. It's three straight games. Sometimes they filter in a Wednesday game here and there, but uh, you, can't, you can't run your goaltenders three straight games right. if you're batting goaltenders. So uh, it's pretty much like an even in a 78game season. Um, you it's not unlikely to have one goalie play thirty five and one goalie play say thirty games i'm terrible at math so don't 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 curse me <laughs> right but yeah I mean the thing is down there is is work is is you need to be playing on a constant basis a player like kaiser and and let me just scroll down real quick to see where he's at uh he's twenty years old, and a player like him. A developing player at his age, you don't want him on the bench um, when a guy like Tuka Rass is gonna eat up a lot of the game. So I I would like to see Kaiser play this season. Um, I mean, his three-year entry-level contract technically starts um, this year. So you have plenty of time to groom him and get him ready, um, especially uh, with Tuka Rass two years left. Now, my predictions I don't want to see him in that backup role because he's not going to get that playing time that he needs as a developing player. But I do see him if they do this properly, like, like, and I know we're going a little crazy here, but if you look at Jake DeBrusque, do you think Jake DeBrusque would have had the rookie season he did if he didn't spend one full season in the AHL? No, I don't believe so either. So here you, you groom, you get them involved in the pro level and you do whatever it takes and when Tuka Rask is ready to go, and they don't want to uh, entertain bringing him back, Kaiser is the type of player that can fit right into that starting role. He'd be, I'd what, s- 22-ish,
2: 23 when that when when Rask his, is a free agent? Um, he, yeah, will be, along there.
1: he will be 22.
2: Jesus. I'd have to be 22 again. And yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: I'd make a hell of a lot more decisions. Better oh, yeah. decisions, anyway. But yeah, I, it, I'm not a fan. I know I preach this a lot on the show and probably people are getting sick of it, but I'm just not a fan of the, the as soon as they get drafted and leave the podium, let's get them right into the NHL. I, it, that Those days are well over. It, it's all about proper development and sustainability in, in the future seasons of the league. And, and I believe that that can't happen without having a good development core, uh, especially down in Providence. And that team, that team, Chris, the Providence Bruins 2019-20 campaign, I know you're going to get AHL TV.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a as excited about Providence starting as I am the Bruins. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, this team is lining up to be an unreal team. I mean, speed is not going to be an issue. Um, and, and I know that we're still going through the preseason training camp schedule but I could see. I mean, Jack Stenica, he could be in Providence. Sinishin, uh, Samuel Asleen, Pavel Shen, Steen. All these players. That team is potentially going to be so fast. They will not get
2: outskated this
1: year. I guarantee you that. So big, big
2: season for Sensen or Sensina, however you want to pronounce it. Senesin. Senesin. I always get it wrong. That was a. Although on a side note, the uh, podcast with Kalman was really good with him on.
1: Oh yeah, he's he's so confident. Uh, that was the the, the at the skate pod with Matt Kalman and yeah. Ken Laird. Fantastic program.
2: They did. He just got to put it all together.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he his. This this is an audition year for him, whether it be in Providence or at the NHL level. Um, if he does great and doesn't get to the NHL level down in Providence, then he can negotiate for an extra year to see where a space could fit for him in 2020 um, and 21. Okay. You know, so there's, there's so many, there's, there's so much potential for him. His stride alone, I'm telling you, I've seen him in practices, I've seen him in games, and I stream a ton of ton of hockey when I, when he's involved. That one stride is, I mean, he can break away from somebody or or a back checker so quickly. And if you get him the puck and open ice, he's lethal. He's absolutely lethal. But he's still, it's still a work in progress. And I get, I get that a lot of people don't like it because he's taken this long to get full nhl time but like i said proper development is so key in today's nhl
2: when you're ready you're ready whether you're 22 or 26
1: yep yep i'm just you know i just think a lot of fans just love that we need it now but more me as a as a as a historian and as a hockey lover myself if he doesn't make it to the NHL, but he finds a a, a niche in, in the, in the AHL with the Providence Bruins, he is doing something for the organization positively. He's yep. being a member of this organization and, and what he's doing in Providence is helping the NHL Boston Bruins to their goal in winning a Stanley cup. So like,
2: like that's a good point. Like Stanika, I mean, my God, he has all the tools right now. And even I, at, at times I'm like, fighting myself like oh i want to see him right now but at the same time like i want to see him develop i don't want him to mess this kid up he's got like top tier talent
1: yep he absolutely does he's great he good st- too
2: he sticks out like a sore thumb when he's on the ice when that prospect challenge especially
1: oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. i mean th- those games are so catered to him and 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 what he can do with his uh, offensive capabilities but you get him into games like the in the ahl which he does do very well, but there's, there's, it's also another, it's a mix of of talent in the American Hockey League. Um, and I've heard on so many podcasts, I've read so many articles of, of players that transition from the AHL into the NHL, and they seem to find the, a better part of their game when they do go to the NHL. And it might be the hype, it might be the glamour of the league and so on, but they also said down in the AHL, it's tough. It is real tough to get any space down there and when you do you're getting rattled so uh, yeah. th- there's a definite definite change in the leagues um but it's good to see that um you know a player can come up and just do what he can do and and, and do his best to try to stay um even though it doesn't work like when you can talk about Sadiqa I, I'm and I'm probably I always get killed for this I would like to see him spend a full season in the AHL, and yeah. I, I just, I just think that um, the way he looks right now and cap friendly, it, David Krejci has got two full seasons to go. Well, he might be that second line guy that you're looking for. Oh, it, it depends on what they do with Charlie Coyle too. But I mean, I don't, I don't see him being the third, the third center guy when all these the the, the core guys are like you know, expiring um, contracts.
2: I am a wicked Krejci apologist, like you can't even imagine. And I always get slack for it, but I've loved David Krejci pretty much since day one. Yeah. Yep.
1: He's
2: been in the organization.
1: I followed him since um, since the Providence Bruins when he came up through that way.
2: P- people, I don't know. It's a narrative again. but uh,
1: How about this hot take that I've been getting killed for? I want to flip Bergeron and Krejci up the middle. Wow! You think I'm crazy?
2: We're all a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should hit this uh, again. <laughs> yeah, get some, Exactly. Uh, do you got? Um, what's your reasoning behind that?
1: All right, my reason is I believe David Krejci is a better playmaker than Bergeron. So. By putting Krejci up on the first line, you are feeding two world-class players that are going to get you probably 100 points, whether it be this year or next year. So that, that's awesome, because I do love Krejci's playmaking uh, capabilities. And we have seen a sample size of that when Bergeron was out and Krejci jumped up. So and, when, and that time frame, I think it was 12 to 16 games, somewhere right there, I saw a lot of really good things. Now, Bergeron, when you drop Bergeron down at the second line, DeBrusque and Coleman. Let's just say Coleman or Slash Though That line right there has more finish, in my opinion. Um, what I mean by finish is get to the net and, and do something effectively while the top line is more is, is more skilled and so on. So I just think that, you know how... The narrative of uh Krejci can't find a wing to to play with, but it'd folks,
2: nice he, it'd be nice if he actually had one on his right side. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, but then you hear another narrative from Boston Bruins media and 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 fans alike that say everybody that plays alongside Patrice Bergeron becomes a better player. See, so well. If 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 you put Kuhlman up there, or you put Richie up there, or or Seneshin or whoever, you're gonna get the best of Patrice Bergeron, and and that is just a mentor right there on your side, on your wing, to learn from. And I I, I like the one two punch, uh, both lines uh, when you talk about secondary scoring and so on. And 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 I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but it could solve the five-on-five scoring that we haven't seen all last year or in the playoffs. The, the ruined success in the past, it seems like the past two seasons when it comes to scoring and, and scoring ranking in the NHL has been on the power boy.
2: Yep. So, which is another reason why you need to get Krug taken care of.
1: Yeah. You yeah, need that people, quarterback.
2: You, and a lot of people say Grizzly can do the job, which I, I like Grizzly. No problem. I don't think Grizzlick is a crew, at least not yet. They,
1: they they move the puck well. Yeah. Um not very not very great defensively, not shutdown capabilities, but they are. There's two separate players. If you if you really look at their and you you know you go to the tape and you do this and that, you can see the the differences. But because of their transition out of the defensive zone, they're very, very similar.
2: Yeah, and the other thing that people need to start Thinking about soon is who they're going to lose to Seattle.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that's another one. Um, I, I mean, you can expose. Well, it depends on when when that league is coming, when that team is coming in. Is that next season?
2: I believe it's next season. Well, right on you, the top of my head, but I know it's within a year or two. I I will
1: rattle off. Hopefully, hopefully, Sean Corrali is not in that. Oh in my that,
2: God! Don't, don't yeah, do it to
1: me. It's too early. I'll lose my I'll lose my crap. But anyway, like David Backus is a uh, is a candidate to be exposed. Um, Nordstrom, Lindholm. If you need cap space, I mean that's only eight hundred fifty thousand for Lindholm. Uh, I don't
2: know. Yeah, it's, well, it's, the, pro- it's, the problem the Bruins have now, especially if you look at like the organizational depth they have, they have a lot of depth on the back end. It's hard to crack that lineup as is now. I mean, in your opinion, right now, who's the most ready, Bach? He looks great to me. Who's that? Bachanainen.
1: Yeah, um, he. Yes, uh, all depending on how. Well, now that McAvoy and and Carlo are signed, so he could be um, a coverage player for a Miller and Moore. Yeah, they, exactly.
2: Because they're so not going to be ready.
1: No, no. I think I think both of them are probably going to be mid season coming back. Uh, you can put them on the IR uh, LTIR um, and bring these up. Here's the thing, Chris: is that you don't want to bring somebody. Up that is going to be exposed to the waiver wire. So when you look at these uh oh, entry yeah. when you look at these entry-level defensemen, um Yurho, um, Wiley Sherman, I don't I don't see him coming up, but but a uh, player like Jeremy Lawson, uh those guys will probably get those those uh those spots and because they're eligible to go down without going through the waiver process, they're probably going to be heavily looked at. Like a player like Steven camphor is is probably going to be your, your seventh defenseman for the, for the upcoming season and rotate on schedule. If you bring him down, he's exposed and I don't think they want to do that. I think, I think camphor has a lot of, um, a lot of pull in the Boston system right now as that guy, that fill in plug and play type of player. And I think they like that. So I don't think they would want to lose him to waivers, but, um, the, the, my whole thing with this whole LTIR thing with Moore and, and, and Miller is you, if you bring in players, um, what are you going to do with them when they come become healthy, and, and then the cap struggle mid season when they do return? That that's always a one that I keep thinking about.
2: hmm well, Rightfully so. I mean, money is so strange in the not strange. I, that's the wrong term. It's different the cap in the NHL compared to NBA and all the other sports. Absolutely. But so you have to really be paying attention to it. You you can't you can't go over. it. It's like ah. Uh, um, if, if Vak was to actually start in Boston this year, he can go through back to promise no problem or he could get claimed?
1: Nope. no, He's uh, waiver exempt. Okay. So the, the, the players right now, the non-roster defense, uh, Jovo Akonainen, Jakos Borl, Axel Anderson, but I don't see him. I see him going to Markton, uh, the Quebec, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh-huh. uh, Wiley Sherman, and uh, Lozon and Connor Clifton's available. I don't want to see him move. And, and Charlie is available, but he's not going to Providence. Right.
2: Yeah, that's, that's definitely not happening.
1: So I, I, I want to see Clifton more involved. And, and I think Cl- the type of player that Clif- Clifton is, is he reminds me of the Krug and Grizzlick and he'd be welcomed on any of the top uh, three pairings.
2: Uh, oh, my, my cousin – who absolutely loves this show, my cousin, Eric, Ah, he's actually, Eric, he's actually uh part of the pa- Patreon or whatever you want to call it.
1: He but is. He's he a is. very, very uh, and, uh, generous, generous uh, Patreon member. And he's actually
2: a good, he's a good dude
1: actually won a, a t-shirt last, last week.
2: Yeah. That's pretty sharp looking. I mean, we can't, you can't see it talking, but I, I recommend that shirt.
1: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely.
2: absolutely. But, um, he loves Clifton. My God, he's going to listen in this here and this, and he's going to need a towel.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> just to cool yeah. himself
2: down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like, shout! I like Cliffy. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Eric Blackie. He's a he's a very good guy, and uh, and yeah, very very diehard
2: Bruins fan. So oh, definitely. He's like you. He's he follows the other teams, but Bruins are number one. There's no yeah. one. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Um, from the old oh yeah. Hell yeah. But, uh, speaking
1: of the Patreon before we actually leave, actually uh, while I pull this up, um, cause I haven't been home, so I'm doing everything on the fly. Um, do you have any questions for me at all or do you want to end this as soon as possible?
2: Well, I mean, we've covered a, a wide range of topics. I think we, uh, Came up watching the Bruins around the same time, but it was only a couple of year age gap from, you know, between the two of us. It's funny because we used to, both used to play hockey down at White's Park. I wonder if we actually played against each other back in the day. I only
1: went to um um, that's in that's in Concord. Yep, I only went there a couple times to um, just to skate. I I skated on the pond and then yeah. I um I saw that they had an outdoor rink. Oh yeah. So uh yeah that was that was pretty that was awesome because it was it was very well done for an outdoor rink. It, it was smaller than normal but the games were really really uh competitive. Um I had a blast. Um yeah, I just yeah, that was unreal. Fun times. Yeah. And the, and the the other thing about, it was cool about, um, the, um, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm still looking here. Uh, yeah. Um, was the, uh, skating on the pond and, and, and only being a certain, um, distance away from when the first officiated game in the United States actually happened at St. Paul's
2: yeah right down the road about a yep. mile yep. maybe a mile and, and a half tops down exactly past, down and past the hospital on the left
1: yeah see, <laughs> so you know where you're
2: going <laughs> oh yeah I'm from that area I know that area in like the back of my head.
1: yeah the um the, uh yeah that was that was pretty cool just just as a history thing it was it was just amazing and then it got me more involved into learning about about uh saint paul's school and and how that all came about and you know how they how they officially became the the first officiated game um in the united States so you know, I love the history part of the of the sport so it's always a right. always a plus for me
2: Yeah, well, I've had a a fantastic time jumping on. Uh, We're gonna do it again sometimes. Maybe get you on our show. And
1: absolutely, it sounds like a sounds like a plan. Uh, I'm gonna I gotta I gotta do something with this computer. So um, I will be right back to uh, mention this week's Patreon winner, our fourth Patreon winner in a row. If you want to be a part of the uh, the Patreon crew and and be um, eligible for uh, some great Bruins prizes from our our advertising affiliate fanatics.com. Um, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate it a dollar and uh, be eligible. We do about four to six shows a, a, a month. So it's only a, a small investment, but it really helps us out and, and, it, and it helps our out of pocket costs because uh, uh, running a show and putting it on all the platforms that the listeners want. Requires a little bit of funding, So, and we appreciate anything we can get back. And while we do that, we offer, uh, some cool Bruins, uh, swag from fanatics to, uh, to give back as a, as like a rewards program. So, uh, we encourage that you sign up and, uh, and check it out. So, uh And I I will be back with a winner uh, later on, but, uh, Chris Blackie, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, please follow, uh, his podcast along with his co-host Steve at Boston sports Blitz on Twitter and follow Chris on Twitter. Also at Chris underscore Blackie, Chris, thank you so much for the time today, bud. And we got to do this again.
2: Absolutely, man. Have a good one.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely be, uh, weekend buddies while the, uh, the Providence Bruins are going on, so we'll be we'll, yeah, we will sh- be sure we'll be uh, going back and forth on the Twitter talking about the action. So I'm looking forward to that. Right on. Take care, my friend, and uh, no thank you very much for listening.
2: No problem. Have a good one.
1: Hey guys, Mike Allred here. Just uh, we had a little technical difficulties in the studio. I haven't been here in a week, but um, I just wanted to go through and and mention our Patreon winner for. Uh, episode 146 and that is Nick Evans congratulations Nick and thank you very much for your contribution you are the 4th straight week of Patreon uh, giveaways so uh, we appreciate your contributions and helping us out and also we uh, enjoy giving out some really great fanatic stuff so thank you very much Nick thank you everybody for listening we really appreciate it we'll be back next week um, to get ready for the the season we're only so much uh, time away But um, the next show is our uh, season preview, so it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a good one, and uh, we're getting ready for hockey, guys. It's coming soon, so staying pumped. Take care, and thank you very, very much.
0: Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast.